Welcome to the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. Today you're listening to episode 12, and we're talking about Charmed, one of my absolute all-time favorite TV series. It ran for eight seasons from 1988 to 2006. It was about three sisters who happened to be witches. This was the main idea, the core of the show. Not just about the supernatural, but about family, sisterhood. And damn, did that make for good TV. So let's jump into Charmed. What it was about, who created it, the special effects, the reception, and what it meant to me uh, growing up uh, watching this series with family, friends, and growing up into this supernatural genre that Charmed introduced me to all those years ago. So let's jump into that now. So Charmed was created by Constance Burge and aired on the WB. At the end, that was the CW and was one of the first big successes of the WB. Uh, would be the longest running successful show of the network, second to Seventh Heaven. The first episode of Charmed drew in 7.7 million views which was huge for a small network, especially because at the time, the WB only had enough advertising budget to promo one new show per season, and Charmed was not getting any additional promo for the first season. So to draw in 7.7 million views uh, in 1998, long before streaming, when you just had cable and bunny ear TVs, that was an impressive uh, feat of a new series uh, starring all young women and about supernatural witches you know at the time this was a new concept there was uh it wasn't as saturated uh, as saturated as a market as it is today with your you know at the time you had Sabrina the teenage witch and before that there was uh, you know I dream a genie and bewitched uh and it had been a long time since a series like this had come uh, on the air and this was you know a little different from that in that it was now a drama it was a serious um 45 minute uh, episode episodic uh, series and it was you know changing the way that audiences viewed witches and that was a big focus on the first season and those first few episodes um like i said the main idea the core of the show uh, is that it's about sisters it's about three sisters who happened to be witches uh this was you know a little bit of a reverse from when they were first pitching the show and it was going to be basically the exact opposite three witches who happened to be sisters and they thought that this more uh family uh, sisterhood approach would have more you know connection with audiences and bring in more viewership and you can't uh, you can't turn around and say that was a bad idea after having eight very successful seasons of a TV series. Um, so the original Charm series, uh, I won't I won't say much to the reboot, um, which I re- I prefer to refer to prefer to refer to. That's a mouthful. Um, I refer to the reboot in very large quotations more as the rip off of the original Charm series. Let's be honest, they had a script about the supernatural. And they thought that they would get an audience if they took the Charmed name and put that on their script, which, you know, it can happen and it happens all the time. But they did uh, 
they did a diss. They they dissed up. They they met. They dissed up. That's a that's a. They did a disservice. Was the sentence I was trying to say there? Um, they did a disservice to myself and other charms fa- charmed fans. If I uh, if I'm going to speak for other charmed fans, in my opinion, they um, did a disservice to us with that quote reboot of the Charmed series. Um, If I'll go on a little tangent here, how can you have a reboot of a series and then change everything fundamental about it? You know, uh, we did a Harry Potter episode here recently, and imagine if they had a Harry Potter series and they just started changing the rules, the aspects of everything that was laid down, like the fundamental laws of the world. Um, It wouldn't be Harry Potter. You You can't say that it's something that has established rules and you know like this is how society works and then just be like well we're gonna do it differently now just make your own like just get out of my camp you know (laughs) you don't take the name of something and then try to change it um i digress uh so i you know and part of you know my hate and lamenting for that you know quote reboot uh is because the original charm series is a huge part of my of my early life my entire life um this nerd's life like it's just it was it was very charm centric so the series started 1998 i was four years old and i recall a few random episodes that were always super entertaining the magic the action uh the family bond between characters uh there was always you know a scene where they're just sitting and talking and interacting and that kind of reflected in the way that we were watching the show you know it was sitting in a family room a living room at the time 1998 you had one tv maybe it was 15 inches you know it was huge it was it was it was bigger lengthwise than it was width wise <laughs> no, you know it was the tvs back then were were not as big as they are today and so you didn't have as many of them throughout the house maybe you had two if you were lucky and we had a really old black and white one or a some very small one in uh, a second room and so if you're sitting down to watch tv it was probably with the whole family and that was just you know it was very family centric and by the time season four would be airing uh so it's a bit out of order for me so yeah by the time season four would be airing i so i'm eight years old now uh charm had become part of our family's sundays uh, my grandparents it would start around we would start with dinner around just before seven uh the tv on but just very low to cover the silence and the lulls in the conversation so as not to hear people chew this was a big thing in my family no one likes silences in meals where you could just hear someone like chewing and and like plate you know like your fork scraping along the plate like that was just there there was a no nobody liked it so background noise became very common part of my life uh to this very day i feel uh kind of uncomfortable in a completely silent room uh i need background noise the tv on low uh the rumble of a fan or just some you know some music instrumental if i'm if i'm working if i'm typing on you know an episode notes or doing some research or reading or what have you or just you know some you know new nickelback album coming out next friday <laughs> can, I, can i be more canadian um so that's you know we just like to listen to 
uh, you know, some good music. And background noise is so important now. It, you know, it kind of becomes ingrained in you uh, when you grow up like that. But so now if I, you know, get back to the, the story at hand here. So now at this time, uh, just before 7 p.m. on a Sunday in 2004, uh, we're tuning in for the newest episode of America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> it's AFV. Uh, you know, it kind of sets the tone. Uh, my grandmother's setting the table, and we're all taking our seats. And, uh, you know, we have the the AFV playing. And then at 8, 8 p.m. is the main event. My grandfather, he kind of, you know, moseys on off upstairs. Uh, by 2008, we had more TVs. Um, you know, you had some nicer. They called them flat screens, and I mean the TV, the screen was flat, but it was still like two feet wide in the back. Uh, so the people who weren't interested, my uncles and my grandfather, they would retreat into their rooms or their man caves or the the family room in the basement of my grandparents' house. And so it left my mom, my aunt. My grand, my grandmother, and my brother and I, and we'd be comfortable because now there was more rooms on the sofa, which was you know something we enjoyed, and we would sit down and watch Charmed, and for the next four years until the series would end, ultimately in 2006 with that amazing series finale, uh, this was just this was our life. This was Sunday dinners and Sunday at my grandparents' place. You know, we'd, you'd, you'd arrive around noon. And uh, we would just hang out, you know, see what my uncle was up to, what games he was playing. He wasn't uh, too much older than we were at that time. A little age disparity there. And uh, so he was always playing, like, the cool video games in 2006. He was watching, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and those type of TV series. So, you know, on one hand, I'm watching Charmed with my grandmother and my mom and my aunt and that side of the family and then on the other side of the family i'm watching you know buffy angel some action shows you know, uh, stargate sg1 stargate atlantis uh it was a great introduction to tv and all these different genres and you know with my grandfather i, I we had uh, deja vu at the time because now we have satellite by 2008 you have satellite instead of just cable uh things advanced pretty fast there and uh on deja vu we're watching like all in the family and uh what was it? golden girls and so many other series mash and so like i was getting so many different you know introductions to genres and tv series and there were so many amazing shows that you could watch over the course of a weekend if i just plunked myself down uh you know whoever else was watching because if, if i was watching tv it was it was ytv and teletoon but if you know anybody else was watching tv i was being you know i was i was soaking this up and i was listening to it the references and the jokes and you know my grandfather would explain you know this series is from this time or you know this is what i grew up watching and it was also interesting it was such a it was such an interesting time you know to be around Around, be around TV because all of a sudden there was these new select channels that had 24-hour uh, programming and provided access to shows of you know years past that my grandfather really enjoyed or my grandmother really enjoyed or that were from overseas that you wouldn't have had access to just years prior with your standard cable connection and that was really cool so uh, you know that became you know standard part of my life 
TV and this all these new channels and and we we had this dynamic of you know sitting down family time you know after a meal Sunday night you know before leaving my grandparents house or or after school you know waiting for my mom to get home from work uh, you know maybe I've already done my homework or you know I said I did my homework <laughs> maybe I was saying a fib or or hiding it uh, I was just uh, trying to get away with you know not doing my homework, and you know that always catches up to you in the end, though. Um, but uh, so we were, you know, we're watching a lot of TV, and it becomes more fun and more natural uh, as time goes on. And you know, Netflix would become you know up on the scene within two years of the end of Charmed. It's crazy how fast things change. Um, but because, you know, let's get back to Charmed in this episode, They're kind of all over the place uh, in the, the history of, you know, how Charmed affected my life here. Um, but so uh, Charmed and because of my age, uh, when the show aired, I watched season four uh, way more than any other season of the show and maybe i'm a bit biased but i love season four so much better uh the maybe not better but i love season four so much uh it it is my favorite season out of all of them uh the introduction of rose mcgowan and Paige. uh so you know we'd already had three seasons of holly marie combs and Alyssa milano and uh shannon doherty up until the end of season three which would be the exit of Shannon Doherty. And, you know, at the time, I didn't know any of this because I'm eight years old and I'm just watching season four. And it's a new start for the show that had already been, you know, it was it's already in season four, but it's this new start in the sense that, like, they're introducing a new character and those first few seasons is about, like, learning Paige and her coming into her powers. So, like, from that perspective, it, it is a good jumping-on point if you haven't seen the other series. And the other seasons, I not the other series, the other seasons, if you haven't seen those. And that was really interesting because it wasn't until later, it wasn't until season five, 2005, that DVD seasons started becoming super popular. So if you didn't know somebody who had recorded, you know, all the episodes on VHS tapes from, you know, 1998 to you know early 2000s at that time uh by season yeah by season five you were in the early 2000s um so like if you didn't know somebody to have done that like how are you gonna watch these episodes it was and i I remember watching some of these episodes on you know recorded vhs episodes those were those those early episodes that i mentioned i recall watching my aunt uh you know we, we everybody had their favorite tv series and you know i remember it was really cool uh my mom gave you know me and my brother uh, a VHS tape, a blank VHS tape, and we wrote our names on it with a, you know, a label. We wrote our name on it, and it was our VHS tape that we could record our shows on. So, like, we just had to announce, you know, I'm going to be recording something at this time. And she showed us how to, you know, put the tape in, and you had to set it to a certain channel on the VCR and on the TV, and you had to program it, and it was just so much fun. And so I got to watch, you know, my, my aunt's tape. She had a charmed tape that, you know, she would record a couple episodes on, depending on how long the tape was. And she had a few, uh, you know, I still, I, th- I think I still have a few of those tapes, uh, the charm tapes and her other tapes. Uh, she had some TGIF tapes, which was a segment, uh, I think in the eighties or early nineties as the thank God it's Friday. And there'd be a few like different, uh, sitcom shows. I think Sabrina, the teenage witch 
was very popular at the time, and that's what uh, she was recording. And at the time, I was recording uh, YTV or Teletoon uh, for the daytime programming. So if I was at school or I wasn't at home, I would put my tape in the VCR and I would program it to just record. You know, the whole tape would just be YTV recording or Teletoon just during the day. Uh, you know, I would record the the big fun Friday, the big fun movie night. I think that's what it was called, big fun movie night on YTV. Uh, I recorded like small soldiers, uh, and so maybe you, you would be watching the tape, and it would be the first twenty minutes is just commercials and a random part of a random episode on YTV, and then it's just like that hard like static cut. And it's a different recording of from a different day, a different time of a movie. And, and that's what the whole tape is. So it's just like sp- sporadic. It's just jumping back and forth. And uh, that was that was that was the life before uh, before like 2005 and you're getting DVD. So by 2005, the series um, is almost over. It ended in 2006. Uh, and in 2005, that's when DVD seasons they said it started becoming popular and i remember the night my mom uh came home from work and she had stopped at the local hmv uh which is a record store that uh, apparently now i literally grew up going in and out of these stores and i never knew this before um the hmv stands for his master's voice which is a super weird name for a company and it makes sense why they would abbreviate it i, I didn't know that until i was looking up uh, whether or not anyone outside of Canada would know what the fucking HMV was. And uh, there, there's so many random things that you learn prepping for a new episode of a podcast. Uh, right now, so my mom had uh, just come home and she has a surprise. She opens her HMV bag or or she opens her, her his master's voice bag. See, that's just really weird. <laughs> HMV bag. She opens her HMV bag and she takes out this purple box set uh, with six individual small cases inside. And they have, you know, they have this nice printout and each one says charmed. And there's little photos on the back of each one, a little blurb of, uh, I think there was four episodes per DVD and there's six DVDs. Uh, I think if you do the math, that, that, that adds up to about 24. Uh, the last disc, uh, yeah, the last disc only has two episodes because it's 22 episodes per season so the last disc has two episodes and you have like special features or like bonus stuff on that sixth disc and it's the first season of charmed on dvd and my brother and i who have happily been watching season four five and six blissfully unaware of the history of the first episodes are ecstatic uh we're tiny little nerds and we pop in that disc one and there it is, this amazing, beautifully created menu. Well, for, first there were the coming soon to DVD ads because it's it's still the, the world of commercials and advertisements. Um, and then there was the amazing, be- amazing, beautifully created DVD menu. And that first night we watched the first four episodes because uh, if my mom, you know, she gets home around five uh, after work, maybe five, you know, closer to six if she stopped at, you know, his master's voice, HMV, um, which it would be in the mall closest to our house. Uh, so in a little bit of a detour, we have dinner, we watch the whole disc, which is four 45 minute episodes. And so it's it's time for bed. Uh, in 2005, I was 11 um so and i remember now i remember this is a vivid memory for me after everyone has gone to bed 
I was still so excited to watch more episodes. I snuck out of bed and back down into the TV room, sat super close to the TV so I didn't have to turn up the volume very loud, and I popped in disc two. And it was about halfway through the third episode on that disc, uh, so about episode seven. And that is probably around 1 a.m. now when my mom had gotten up and came out into the living room. And she's just like, what, what are you still doing up? And, you know, I don't remember the exchange. Um, I just remember having the blanket wrapped around me sitting in the darkness, you know, like maybe a foot from the 20-inch TV screen. My computer monitors that I'm using right now is bigger than what that TV was at the time. You know, it's just it's hilarious to think about. And you know, I had the volume on like three or four, and I was just captivated. Uh, those episodes were like Dream Sorcerer and Dead Man Dating, uh, which has John Cho, very young John Cho, was a guest star, one of the one of the early guest stars. Um, these episodes were amazing. They just, I was so captivated. Wedding from Hell, I believe, is one of those first episodes. I'm not sure if that was disc one or disc two, um, but those were just the, the, I, I vividly remember that first night and you know having that box set and then you know subsequently you know maybe just a few months later um they probably started releasing them like cranking them out so like season two was available and then season three and at that point they also realized that instead of releasing this big box set with six you know cases individual cases with individual dvds if they put the little disc holder on the other side of the end of that little individual box they could reduce the size to three dvd cases inside the box set i i, I find it hilarious that they like they had to produce that it cost it cost money and they were like yeah just one dvd case per dvd that's cost effective and then like shortly thereafter it was like maybe yeah maybe we could reduce that it's costing us a fortune that was i just i always find that kind of hilarious in hindsight when they when you think about things uh like that like production costs on on a product and and you wonder like how did they not think of that first now i finally went to bed that night exhausted and elated with a head full of fantasy and magic and in my opinion those those many sunday nights with the family and that night with those charm dvds it's the foundation that became my passion uh for nerd nerd everything nerd entertainment for fantasy witchcraft uh buffy the vampire slayer supernatural charmed they introduced me to the world of magic and make-believe in such a wonderful way that I completely fell in love with the characters, the episodes. Everything about Charmed reminds me uh, so much of the best parts of growing up, and I will always cherish that. Uh, so, you know, like, uh, from there, let's jump into favorite episodes. Um, so it's a bit, like I said, it's a bit backwards for me. Season four uh, is probably just, you know, all-time favorite episode. The, the first episode introduces Paige, and, you know, there's mourning. They had just lost their sister, and, you know, I always thought that was a, you know, that when I watched the first seasons and I got to season three, I was like, okay, we're going to see what happens to Prue and how this all went down, and then there's kind of like this big skip this big gap between the end of what happens in the last episode of season three and what happens at the beginning of season four and then it's just like oh yeah uh shannon doherty kind of pissed off everybody at the wb and got fired so they didn't want to have to film anything else with the actress so they just like they kind of just like gap bridge it and they explain what happened i'm like oh that 
no like i wanted to see it i wanted i wanted to know what happened um but you know alas we'll never get to find that out um but the show handled morning super well as a as a you know a little tangent uh that first episode of season four you know piper and you know holly marie combs she plays piper um and phoebe played by Alyssa milano they're they're mourning at this point the death of their sister prue who you know played by shannon doherty as i just said um she's passed away she's died at the hands of a demon shacks uh, the source's bodyguard this you know this huge entity of swirling uh, power and uh the morning that's what i was it's just it's it was really well captured you know anytime that i'm feeling down or i've had to attend a funeral uh i watch you know some of the episodes of charmed uh not just because they they're they're also dealing with mourning that is something that i i do i i, I watch you know episodes of my favorite series that have to pertain to the same things that I'm going through in life. Um, for me, I find it cathartic um, to watch, you know, it's a 45 minute episode where they have a crucible, they have a conflict, they have an issue. And typically by the end of the episode, they feel better. They've come out at the other side and that it's tangible and it's kind of like therapeutic in a way, like my issues, you know, you can't solve them in 45 minutes. And, you know, somebody might have passed away that I knew, family, friend, relative. Um, and so I'll watch, you know, the episode of Friends where, you know, Nana dies twice or, you know, the, you know, the episode of Charmed where Prue passes away. And it's it's part, you know, it's cathartic to see these characters that have become part of my life and these characters that I cherish also experiencing the same uh emotions you know portraying the same emotions it's fantasy uh but it 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 helps you kind of like you know maybe you cry during the episode uh maybe you you eat a whole thing of ice cream and you kind of just feel a bit better by the end of the episode like those characters do that's something that i've done for most of my life how i've gotten through a lot of you know, hardships and stuff is watching those uh, emotional episodes that, you know, I have to believe that, or I choose to believe that the people who wrote them have also uh, experienced that. The people, not, not just the people who wrote them, but the people who acted in them, that they've also experienced loss and maybe they're touching into that, uh, they're tapping into that to portray these emotions. Maybe that actress lost, um, a friend, a brother, a relative as well. And when it, the time comes to read that script and sit there in that, you know, set of a funeral, that maybe those are real tears. You know, maybe they're drawing on experience and that's how they act. And it, it it's cathartic. That'll be my, uh, my word on that little tangent about mourning and the way that they portrayed mourning is really well done in this series. And, and then season four just kind of has so much uh, amazing different episodes. Uh, my favorite character is, is Cole, hands down. Um, he has such a great character arc and his relationship with Phoebe is, you know, they had this example of a relationship that just doesn't work and can't work no matter how hard they fought or loved each other, you know, evil and good couldn't be together. You know, and that was, you know, the, you know, the opposite to Piper and Leo, these two, you know, innately good people who come together and can surmount and overcome any obstacle that they face and end up together 
uh, no matter what. You know, that was the kind of the idea between the two relationships. And in Phoebe's case, you know, she had to, you know, love Cole and, you know, accept that she wasn't supposed to be with him and that he wasn't you know, good for her or was, you know, like her, you know, her true love in that sense. He was a love, but he wasn't her true love. And so my favorite episode from season four is Black as Cole, uh, the episode where we learn a bit more about Cole's past and they introduce this uh, demon Sykes. Uh, so Cole, his his if you ha- if you're not familiar with the series, his demon half is uh, Balthazar, and the this the special effects to take a moment for the special effects they they did such an amazing job on Cole. They cast uh, so Julian McMahon played uh, Bal- he sorry he played Cole, but the and his demonic self is called Balthazar. But to do the effects of his transformation, um, instead of putting Julian McMahon in makeup or prosthetics, they cast another individual as Michael Bailey Smith, who is actually not just uh, Balthazar. He played uh, the Grimlocks. Uh, he was actually the source. Uh, if you're f- again, if you're familiar with the series, you know who the source is. Um, but yeah, he was he was Balthazar. So he was Cole's other half, this demonic half. And he's a he's a larger actor. Uh, he's taller. He's m- more muscular in his shoulders. Uh, and you know, he, it, when you put him in uh, black pants and this you know black fitted T-shirt, uh, and they they painted him red. Uh, you know, the parts that were exposed, his arms, his neck, and uh, he's bald. So his whole head is red. This dark red red um blood you know like this blood red paint with these black tribal lines and you know he has these fangs and uh you know you know google a photo of balthazar from from charmed and you'll see what i mean and the the special effects though the the, you know the way that they did the transformation from cole you know and he kind of like does this like almost shimmering effect in the episode and then all of a sudden he he grows taller and they you know they splice in now it's this bigger actor who has all of this you know special effects done and it's it's amazing they're throwing energy balls at each other which is you know now they have the practical they have this this bigger actor who has you know some special effects makeup on and he's you know whipping his arms around or you know throwing up his arm um you know kind of like in the motion that you would like throw a ball but instead he's throwing uh you know an energy ball it's this ball of whirling energy that you know if it were to hit you know a human or a mortal they would instantly disintegrate uh you know think uh you know in the if you've watched the mandalorian recently when he shoots at uh one of the bad guys with his laser rifle and the guy just disintegrates very common in uh you know fantasy tv shows you can't have uh blood or or gore in that sense you can have a little bit of blood but you can't have you know people bleeding to death so you know hitting them with an energy ball and they arc blue and then disappear into smoke and dust is uh is a pg friendly pg-13 friendly way of of dispatching you know or killing your enemies in that way or even innocence because let's face it charmed you know they didn't always save the innocence which i think um you know it gave this aspect of even though it's fantasy there's still a consequence and a cost uh which is something that i always thought of is why the series was able to withstand leaving uh not leaving losing one of their main characters a lot of people you know if you look back and you read articles about you know the exit of shannon doherty and is this the end of charmed and can they you know can a series survive you know having to recast one of its 
its main members. And uh, personally, I think the reason why, one of the reasons why I was able to do that is it really gave the show this depth that there was stakes. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you understand the background that it was just, you know, the disagreements between the actor and the production company. But in the show itself, um, to an eight-year-old, you know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm coming from my perspective as an eight-year-old watching this TV show. Um, it gave me this idea that the show had stakes you know, like these characters could uh, die at the end of every any episode. In my mind, that's how I, you know, viewed it, and it was very interesting from that perspective. It was um, the characters were, you know, a little bit more three dimensional for me. I thought of them as like not these invulnerable, you know, magical creatures. They were like they had consequences. And all of season four, you know, they're going after the source in some parts. The source is coming after them, and you know, he's responsible for the death of their sister. So like that's that's high stakes that's you know that's impactful um so i always i always thought that the show had this you know really well-rounded grasp on life and death and the stakes are high you know they're they have magic powers and they're using these you know sometimes lethal powers to protect you know people the innocents from these other magical beings that have just as powerful, just as lethal powers and caught in between are do-gooders and innocents who would be, you know, trying to make the world a better place. And and that's one of the things that always stood out for me and charmed. It's and and just supernatural series, uh, you know, as the like, there's always this, you know, idea of good versus evil and it's you know, it's about more than just, you know, raising your axe or your sword. It's about the connection you know, in Supernatural, it's the same thing. It's about brotherhood. It's about bonding. It's about family, the family you build, the family you trust, the family you forgive. Uh, so too was Charmed in that regard. And that was a bit of a tangent from the Cole character and special effects. But uh, that it's just it, it was, you know, uh, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, a demon and a character like that and, you know, his whole, you know, his whole character arc Cole and Balthazar is about redemption. He's half human, half demon. Uh, you know, he's a demon with a soul, uh, which plays heavily into his character. It allows him to cheat death um, and come back. You know, once they vanquish his demon half, his human half is left with no powers and has to kind of find his place in the world. And this is a, something that I've found is repeats itself and is very popular. This redemption arc, it's become kind of a trope in TV and movies. I mentioned Buffy the Vampire Slayer earlier. Um, there's the angel character, Angelus. He's the vampire which is with, with a, which a soul. He's the vampire with a soul, uh, which is literally the same concept of Charmed, a vampire, you know, a demon who's been... In, in in Buffy, he's been cursed with a soul so that he feels remorse. And it's it's a so okay, it's a bit of a difference. Um, whereas Cole in Charmed, he's born half human, half demon. And the idea is that his demon self had subjugated his humanity for hundreds of years until he meets Phoebe who falls in love with him and sparks his humanity and the more she loves him the more he has power over his demonic self to be a good person to fight against his evil nature and 
prove himself worthy. And this is the redemption arc. Uh, the Vampire Diaries does this as well. Um, the whole vampire genre actually loves this type of character, Twilight, uh, and the Vampire Diaries. In Twilight, Edward fears that becoming a vampire means losing your soul, and uh, you know he they 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 only feed on animals. They try not to kill people because they don't want to be monsters. Uh, in the Vampire Diaries, Stefan fights to hold on to his humanity and compassion uh, as a vampire, while his urge, you know, is to kill people and drink their blood. And and that you know that's you know juxtaposed against his brother Damon, who just kills people. And you know he says you know we have to embrace being a vampire. And and then they dial it back and they try to make him like more compassionate and that he you know he's actually you know really compat you know like he's been hurt or they have some you know trauma in their past that they're trying to get away from and this this redemption arc is just very common in genres uh like uh fantasy and like uh, th when you have these dark characters it's very common uh you have these demons and you want you know you want people to relate to your main characters in a sense but like you know how are you supposed to relate to a murderous demon uh oh make it so that he, he he's not only a murderous demon he's actually a good person who is being cursed with uh the presence of a murderous demon in his mind uh and that gives you you know nuance layers it allows you to you know kind of relate to the character sometimes and believe that you know maybe he's gonna do the good thing or that you know he's not you know just downright evil and uh you know the redemption character is the bad boyfriend the one who got their hands dirty and is trying to make right now uh you know he's trying to do the right thing for whatever reason and for charm that was cole and he was such a great part of the show uh julian mcmahon is the actor who played cole uh he is such a talented actor he would go on to star in nip tuck amazing series uh he was also dr doom in the og fantastic four movies which i think he played amazingly he was also in the super obscure tv movie called another day from 2001 which actually also stars shannon doherty uh prue from charmed which is during season three of charmed it came out in 2001 which cole and prue so they the, both the actors were actually in charmed so they must like they must have been doing it like going from set to set and according to hollywood reports the two were actually dating at the time so it would make sense that they did this extra project to like spend some time together another day is actually a pretty good movie hard to find the only place i could watch it was like an entire recording of it on youtube and the quality is definitely under 720 uh so if you don't if you're not a fan of somewhat blurry movies then maybe skip that youtube viewing but if you're looking for a random uh somewhat sci-fi movie it has to deal with like time travel and this woman like realizing like what happened uh in the past to come to terms with it and like live a better life and that's shannon doherty's character and uh, her, her love interest is actually uh julian mcmahon the, the guy that plays cole uh, so i always found that funny that they they start in this little movie together uh while they were literally still you know I, depending on what the time they must have been literally filming this like the one day charmed one day this other movie called another day uh and yeah i find that i find that really funny when when things like that happen and the schedules are so similar and they're literally in two two similar projects at the same time uh so that was that was funny uh and um 
so let's let's get back to Charmed here a little bit. Now, once I had seen the earlier seasons, uh, my favorite list quickly uh, changed. So my second favorite is Chick Flick. That was such an amazing episode. The Demon of Illusion was a really cool concept, the way he spread evil through movies and bringing characters to life. And the end of the episode basically becomes a Scooby-Doo chase around the manor. Uh, the, the Demon of Illusion has taken characters from the movies, uh, so like Bloody Mary and... And uh, this guy Ted Bunyan or Ted Bundy or something, I, I think that movie was made up. And he took them off the screen and sent them after the Charmed One. So that was really fun concept. And, and one of the movies is one of those fake with movies within the movies kind of deal. Uh, it's called Kill Before It Dies and it's supposed to be Phoebe's favorite movie. And I, I assume it's supposed to be like uh, the movie Them from 1954 uh, with the big giant ants. Uh, that, that's the impression that I get. It's black and white. And you know you get these characters, Sally May, and the the love interest from the movie, the the Kill Before it Dies, is Phoebe's like her, you know her idea of uh, this you know Billy, this character in the movie, is her idea of like the amazing love interest, and that's you know the first person she had a crush on and whatnot, and he gets pushed out. From like the big screen, the demon of illusion, uh, they you know he gets tackled and he falls out of the screen and he's like black and white and it, it's really well done to to you know to throw back before what I was saying about VFX, they did a really good job of uh, you know making him look black and white. So he's he's you know again it's just his hands and his face, but they did all this silver um, makeup all over his face and they they kind of put gray in his hair and then they kind of you know reverse engineered it uh, you know at one scene Phoebe's trying to make him look you know like he has color so she's putting makeup on his face and clearly at this point the actor doesn't have the silver face paint on um, but they share a kiss uh, you know Phoebe's always been in love with this character and they share a kiss and when she kisses him his lips go back to all being silver you know as if she's wiped off the lipstick the you know or the the makeup like the face the the, the pink color uh makeup if you will the the skin color makeup the whites uh, you know like blush that she would have put on him the peach color and she's wiped it off to reveal that he has no color that he's black and white or he's from a black and white movie so it's all the silver uh underneath so his lips are all silver again and i found the reverse uh, you know just how they they decided to uh portray that this is a character from a black and white movie was so well done and the uh, I mean, when you're looking at a, movie, a series from 1998 that has 22 episodes per season, and I mean, in 1998, they did not have as big as a budget as they did towards the end. Towards the end, they had like a $2.2 million budget from the reading that I did on the background. And so when you think about the, the VFX and that towards the end of the series, they had 90 special effects shots. Um, and, you know, half of these, maybe not half, but a good, uh, good majority are practical effects they used a lot of wires uh, which at the beginning of the series was new it had just come over from Japan and not a lot of people were trained on it so they were doing a lot of training with wires and pulling you know people across the room to portray you know like how Prue would uh, you know her magical power was to move people with her mind she had the telekinesis and then they had the freezing aspect Piper Holly Marie Combs she was able to freeze people and uh, they they did this with you know you know having everyone hold their 
another place and then you know filming again and you know it's a la- it's a layering like i said during you know other episodes it's a layering of the practical effects with the special effects and charmed did uh, such an amazing job of that you know 22 episodes per season with you know putting out an episode every week and having such a tight schedule to do uh some pretty amazing special effects and you know towards the end of seasons they when they had gotten you know some of the standard things down um you know if you watch the special effects they have a bonus disc uh, with the seasons, these amazing seasons that I was talking about earlier, uh, on the making of special effects. And uh, if you've watched the series, uh, one of the ways that they can, I guess, teleport from place to place, they call it orbing. And there's these all these blue and white orbs of light, if you will, that surround the individual and they go from one place to another and they can do that with objects too so if they were to have this ability (laughs) they were to have this ability of orbing uh, if a character had this magical ability and they were to call out for a shoe uh, the shoe would you know glow with all these white orbs of light and it would disappear from you know the table or the ground and it would appear in their hand or if they made like a throwing motion and they who said like shoe and then they pointed in your direction they would magically orb the shoe at your head which is supposed to be another form of like telekinesis which kind of played in to writing in a new sister because they're all supposed to have uh, similar powers or sorry no they're not supposed to have similar powers they're supposed to have three distinct powers um, in the first episode of the series it's explained that the charmed ones uh, you know the whole name of the series are three magical sisters that would have the one would have the power to move objects with her mind the other would be able to stop time and the third sister would be able to see the future premonition um, so when Prue when Shannon Doherty left the series the sister that they reintroduced or that they they not reintroduce well sort of reintroduce the sister that they introduce um, has to have the power of telekinesis and to you know come up with the idea was that this was their half sister Paige and it was so like and again I didn't know any of this until later until I would watch this series it it, it worked really well because in the early season season one uh, season more season two and three it was established that the charmed one's mom Patty uh, played by Finola uh, fin, uh, I'm getting my names here uh, mixed up <laughs> so Patty was played by Finola Hughes um, I thought it was Fiona it's Finola. Finola Hughes, um, she left their dad. Uh, you know, he's immortal. She's a witch, and she fell in love with her white lighter, which was supposed to be the symmetry between, you know, like Piper falling for Leo, who is—I don't think I mentioned it until now. He's also their white lighter. He has, you know, these magical abilities to orb and do all these amazing things. And so it, you you find out in season four that Patty—that's uh, the name of their mom, played by Finola Hughes—that she had uh, a daughter. Uh, with her white lighter and they gave her up and they kept it secret because they were worried that like they wouldn't be allowed to have their charm destiny because the charmed ones is only supposed to be three and not four and so they bring back Paige in and now she's half white lighter and so that's how she can move objects it's you know it's influenced by her white lighter half and I thought that was you know creative writing was decent they it was a callback to things that had already been clearly established so like it had been clearly established that like Patty and you know the mom had left 
the husband, uh, uh, Victor, who's, who's also the only person in the entire series who got recast, actually. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, and so, like, I like the, the callback to, you know, things that happened multiple seasons before that they've already treaded on. Um, and that was just, it was, it, in my opinion, it's just good writing. Um, you know, some people online I've read that, you know, they, they said that the producers and the writers had uh, struggled with keeping a vision for the show and that it changes from season to season. And I mean, that's kind of common in your, you know, bad guy episode, uh, you know, different bad guy ep- per episode per week. Um, and then you kind of try to introduce like gradually arcs that come around. So to be able to, you know, write in a new character, a main character uh, on such a, you know, oh, now, you know, like our, our main character is leaving, not like maybe they had a completely different vision for season four, but to be able to write in that new character, write in Paige and have Rose McGowan join the series and then be able to use the the staples of what you've already introduced into the the world of charmed i think that was an amazing example of just really good writing in my opinion and to go along with the good writing was really good casting and and retention of these these supporting actors who maybe you know only had 14 episodes across a series that has almost 200 episodes so to be able to get them to come back for you know maybe one or two episodes per season and not have to constantly recast is something that i i really appreciate in a, in a series that runs eight years uh the only character that was recast and i mean only for one episode uh was the dad uh so victor in the series his name is victor bennett uh so he play was played by originally tony dennison in the first uh season for only one episode is is tony dennison an amazing actor uh and then later by season two when victor's character would reappear he's played by james reed and in my opinion it was an amazing recast because james reed he's just such an amazing character he plays their dad uh so well he connects with the actors you know he connects with you know piper phoebe and and prue in season two and season three so well and then you know in the later seasons he has like a really good relationship with Paige and I think that's they they kind of they they introduced it really well and like it's not you know she's not technically his daughter but you know she's the sister that of you know to to his daughters and so he he really accepts you know like this is you know another one of his daughters basically and he cares for her and you know he you you see that his affection is is very evident and it was very well done and all of these characters um the the parents the grandparents um so the the dad is victor and the mom is penny um um, and they're all introduced very early on. So in, in season one, there's a flashback episode called That 70s Episode. And in that episode, you were introduced. So they had already mentioned and talked about Grams and their mom. And in that episode, they introduced Finola Hughes as Penny, uh, sorry, as Patty, uh, and Jennifer Rhodes as Penny, who's known as Grams. Uh, so those those characters have been around since literally season one and they would be you know they would be guest appearance they a lot of the times they come back as ghosts um because they've you know unfortunately passed away uh throughout the series that was you know something that the the sisters had to deal with that their mom passed away very young and that they're raised by their grandmother and then it's uh it's the death the passing of their grams that you know releases their magic and you know gives them back their powers because you find out that in 
in this episode, uh, that 70s episode, it kind of explains why uh, they only receive their magic uh, in the first episode of the series when they're already in their 20s. Uh, it's because of this episode uh, or what the events of this episode that takes place, uh, you know, almost you know, 20 years before uh, the show starts. Uh, so, so, supposedly, supposedly um, there's this uh, warlock that comes after, uh, you know, their mom and, and, you know, he wants their powers and he knows that, you know, their kids are going to, her kids are going to grow up to be the charmed ones. Uh, they don't really get into how he knows that, uh, you know, if you want to, I like to fill in the gaps or maybe, you know, I guess it's, I guess it's fan fiction that I haven't gotten around to writing down. Um, but if you, if you will, fan fiction is that there are, you know, they introduce seer characters and, and, you know, uh, you know, other, other, you know, evil characters, demons that have the ability to see different versions of the future. Uh, kind of like Phoebe has the ability to have premonitions that allow her to save innocents and save her sisters and stuff. Um, so I assume that this warlock, this bad guy uh, in the 70s has, you know, come across some sort of information from a seer or, you know, somebody has like a big crystal ball and he's, you know, he's been provided with some information. So he goes after uh, Patty and then in this episode uh, they decide that the best thing for the girls, uh, for the young uh, girls, they, they cast all these young versions, uh, well, just of Piper and Prue, because in the flashback episode, the mom is supposed to be pregnant with Phoebe, and they don't know that yet, and so they only had to cast two of the, the main cast, and I'm, I, the casting, again, is, is amazing the the young girl um who plays young prue what they look like it looked like it could have been shannon doherty's daughter like that was how well uh cast it was and that i just you know i, I you know you have to give a round of applause to casting i mentioned it in the harry potter episode and and uh no it's sorry in the scooby-doo episode i mentioned it last week in the scooby-doo episode when they cast uh matthew lillard as uh norval shaggy rogers that's just like the living embodiment of a character um so when you have you know casting and these individuals that are you know casting or responsible for casting they just have this you know they have to look at you know thousands of thousands of people and sometimes they have a drawing sometimes they just have an outline and you have to just kind of feel it or you don't feel it and i think it's i think it's a really incredible uh feat when you cast so well that you're able to somehow find a resemblance between two people who aren't related at all and you're just like yeah that's them and, and it comes off you're like whoa like that could be like yeah just uh, just a little you know basking in the other people's talent really and uh, that, that's just another part of you know something I loved about Charmed really good casting and retention of these these characters and there's some other uh, great guest stars that pop up in just in just season one alone um, in one of the later episodes uh, Love Hurts uh, the first Leo centric episode or the second Leo centric episode so the first one would be earlier in the season when you find out like what Leo is that you know he's a white lighter and that he's there to protect them but you know he's fallen in love with Piper and he wasn't supposed to so now he's all conflicted and he's not sure if he should come around anymore so later in Love Hurts this uh the second episode uh Leo's been you know he's trying to save 
this uh, this young woman from a dark lighter and uh it's uh, the 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 dark lighter alec is played by michael truco who is a great art has a great character um and he's a great actor sorry and he has a great arc on how i met your mother in the later seasons i've i've seen him uh playing a few different shows and they just they have really good uh really good guest stars sometimes on uh, charmed i mean you have a series that goes eight years and it's something that i have found uh you watch you know you watch something like charmed for eight years when they have a demon of the week a bad guy of the week a monster of the week whatever you want to call it and they have to have all these special characters or these guest characters you have to have the demons the innocents uh you know all these you know you have to have the doctor in the episode who you know helps the innocent or helps the person that you if you watch you know a series like that and you're watching another show that's playing around the same time um you start noticing the extras and you notice like oh hey that person was in uh how i met your mother or that person was in seinfeld or that person was in friends or that person was in uh csi and then uh it's really cool too because then maybe uh, a few years later you'll be like oh hey that person was in all of these other shows and now they're the lead of their own show and the best example i can think of that is tj fine uh he wasn't the lead of uh, his own show but he was one of the leads of bones for the entire run he played hodgins on bones and i mean i think i saw him in literally every tv show i've ever watched during the early 90s 2000s he was actually in friends he was in csi he was in angel uh and then and then he ended up what was funny was he was in angel in season five right before it ended and angel starred uh, david boreanis if you're not familiar with the series and then he would end up on bones as you know one of the one of the characters with david boreanis i always found that funny and you know in one year he's a guest on somebody else's show and then the next year he's uh you know a co-star uh with that same actor and that's you know that's great for for that individual he had you know a handful of you know year after year after year of guest appearance on multiple established shows and then you know 2005 he had his break a new year a new, new show is being put together for the september roster and he gets you know he gets his chance at you know being a great uh, character being a great actor on a great series and bones i loved bones i watched the whole series and hodgins is one of my favorite characters um so that 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 little thing that happens when you watch a lot of tv series is it's quite cool in my opinion i i enjoy and it's nice to see you know other people succeed and do well in life or something that they're trying to achieve and i you know i enjoy so much so many movies and tv shows that i have respect for actors and the hard work that they put in to create this entertainment and that we love so much and when you can clearly see you know somebody that's put in a lot of work over many years and many different series and small roles just getting that big break uh i yeah i think it's i think it's delightful and it'll put a smile on my face and uh just a little tangent again on you know characters and guest stars and one of the things that's really nice about uh, a series like charmed and uh, like i mentioned in season one uh what i was what i was mentioning in season one was uh, another one of the guest stars i mentioned it really early in the episode john cho uh he was in dead man dating uh season one he's a love interest a ghost love interest for piper uh, his character is uh murdered uh, at the beginning of the episode that took a turn uh as i'm recalling 
recall in the episode, yeah, his character is murdered and they use his death to fake the death of a prominent uh, criminal so that the police will believe that this criminal has died. Uh, they use the unfortunate body of John Cho's character uh, to fake the death of another uh, criminal person. And then his ghost uh, can be seen by, you know, uh, the, the charmed ones and they have to help him. And you know, lead the, they, they have to lead the police to the criminal to prove that he's alive, and then help them identify uh, John Cho. Help them identify the characters. I can't remember the character's name. Uh, help them identify the body as the right as the right person, so that he can be buried, and you know, like have like a you know a proper sending into the afterlife. That was uh, that was one of those early episodes of season one. Um, and while we're you know while we're still seeing season one and guest stars, uh, my Probably one of my next favorite episodes is uh, From Fear to Eternity, which they introduced the demon of fear, the demon of fear itself. So, like, you're supposed to be scared of all demons and, like, demons inherently, you know, cause fear. But now it's the demon of fear. And he, he, like, reads your fear. Like, he pulls your fear off of you and then he can, like, uh, manipulate reality around you to believe that you're experiencing your fear until you die of fear, like shock. Um, played by Billy Drago, an amazing, amazing actor who, again, retention would show up uh, season one, two, three. Uh, I don't know if he's in season four. I think he has a small arc in season four. I know he's in season five. Uh, big, big role season five. Uh, it, sorry, small role season five, big role season six, bigger role season seven. Uh, and then uh, I'm not sure if he makes a return for season eight. Unfortunately, the series would have uh, budget cutbacks and the WB was a declining network. They were in the process of merging, uh, becoming the CW. So for the first time in Charmed, uh, the, the run of Charmed, they faced budget cutbacks and, you know, some season regulars were cut unfortunately a lot of people have uh, some animosity uh, when it comes to the last season of charmed uh, the uh, network got really heavily involved um, because of those budget cuts and wanting to see changes and wanting to see more, uh, you know, revenue and, and viewership. They thought that, you know, the show had been running for too long and people were stagnating, 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 stag being stagnant. Um, <laughs> and so they, they wanted changes. Uh, they bring in Kaylee Kyoko, uh, Kyoko uh, who would later go on to, you know, the Big Bang Theory. Um, this was after simple rules had ended uh she has one season on you know the final season of charmed uh, a lot of people dislike her character billy which is valid and i totally understand she was the character is poorly written uh to say the least you have to pick and choose which episodes uh you're gonna watch with her which is is quite unfortunate for what the show uh was that it had such an unfortunate last season uh or marred uh season because of you know budget cutbacks but that i mean that said they I think they ended very strongly in my opinion it's one of the best series finales uh, the last four or five episodes they really came together to write something that would uh, you know you know, it, it honors the eight years of television that had come before it to culminate in this series finale. And when I, you know, when I watch other series finales, I just hope that they'll actually have uh, a measure of closure that comes somewhat close to what they were able to put together and deliver for Charmed. They they really went up above and beyond, 
and they brought back all of those amazing extras and even more that I didn't have a chance to mention yet. Uh, Drew Fuller, uh, an amazing actor who is on season six of Charmed. He plays uh, this character, Chris, who has an amazing arc that, you know, he comes in as this mysterious white lighter and then you find out that he's actually half witch and that he has, you know, other powers that they didn't know about. And this is, you know, at the time they only know of Paige that's a half white lighter and they don't uh, they don't know that there's going to be more half white lighters that this is a thing and as the series progresses you find out that he's actually um, you know the Piper and Leo's second child uh, and so that he's you know he's come back from the future and they introduce you know it's really cool they have you know some of the characters you know Piper on the series she has you know these two babies and uh, so Wyatt the, her first son is introduced in season five um and it's really cool because you get to see they cast all these older versions of them and i always thought that was you know one of these cool parts of magic that you know you get to meet and interact with your future kids you know when you're holding a baby in your arms and then this man standing in front of you is you know it's not it's not a crazy person he's actually your the same baby the same son conjured from the future and in that same effect uh you know that chris and you know that future wyatt they get to meet their grams and uh you know it basically be their great grams uh because you know they get to meet both patty and grams so like their their grandmother and then their their parents grandmother so they get to meet all these generations of their families in spirit form and they can travel through time and it's it's interesting and so like that the series finale they bring back all of these amazing extras uh finola holmes and jennifer rhodes and um they, they bring in victor and they they bring in everyone you know everyone who had gotten cut uh not in not everyone uh julian mcmahon comes back in the last season but not the last episodes uh so they they managed to do so much and they do uh flashbacks and flash forwards and they they have this amazing score uh this charmed score that I've you know I listen to you know I mentioned I listen to this instrumental music when I'm uh, working or I'm I'm studying and one of them is the charm score which plays um, in a few episodes they kind of use uh, if you listen to the credits of any episode that airs on a streaming platform or if you have the DVDs it's that song and there are episodes that use portions of it but in the last like four minutes of the series finale I'm pretty sure they play almost the entire score from beginning to ending and it just has these rises and swells that it oh, it really captures the whole series and there's this like magical um i don't know what to call it like effects in the song like uh like a like a wind chime almost and it it really encapsulates what charmed is when there would be you know something magical happening or all the characters would raise an eyebrow and they would hear a noise that's that's the special effect you heard and they incorporated it into the score so effectively that it's just so delightful to listen to and and yeah they really uh did such an amazing job on on that series finale that it, it set the bar so high that there have been some really disappointing series finales let's put it that way charmed uh, hit it out of the park and they they left the ball uh they left the 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 ball they, they, they left the bar really high uh in my in my opinion for series finales you have to 
uh, sit down and like realize that like your show affects you know people deeply you know you bring it into your house you know I've read uh, different articles and different opinions on what it means to you know watch a series for eight years to sit down periodically and you know they use these terms to invite these characters into your life and into your home and you you build routines around these shows and you know it's you know at the end of maybe you watch it at the end of the week or you watch it you know with a viewing party or with your friends and then it becomes you know even more than just viewing the episode now you know you you look forward to the conversation after the episode and you know in modern times we've we've taken that to the next level where they have you know tv shows that you know follow you know the walking dead became such a big show that they had you know talking i think it was called the talking dead or or something like that where they had like a post show show where everyone just talks about what they had literally just watched and and that was televised people wanted to be part of this conversation you could be part of it on twitter and you could watch it live and 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 there was this live audience and there was a host and i mean it was just it was the idea of what what people love doing watching a show and then talking about it amongst their friends it's what you know spurs the internet and online discussion and reddit and chat boards um it's just this this modern version of of just having a conversation after watching something you enjoy that becomes uh it's just so important that like you can't just end a show without closure or without care or 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 thought to like you know these characters existed for so long and now you're taking them away in 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 a sense you're taking them away from their audiences and a lot of people myself included we you know i choose to believe that the show doesn't end just because the cameras stop rolling i mean if you if you entertain the idea that like these characters exist in their own world and their own reality that like you know you watch a tv series like friends or the big bang theory that you're only seeing you know maybe you know a portion of their day or their week you know once a week you know for 22 parts of that week or that year and that in the other portions of the year things are still happening they're still going about their lives and living and going to work and having things happen to them so when the the series ends and the camera stops rolling you kind of want an idea of like okay well what happens when when stuff stops rolling like what's going to happen next even though the show's not going you still want that idea of closure uh in the uh, in the form of charm actually and a lot of uh these genre shows these supernatural these magic shows lately they've actually continued in comic book form uh so charmed had a season nine in comic book i I haven't had a chance to read that yet but it's on it's on my ever-growing list of comic books uh buffy the vampire slayer did the same thing angel did the same thing they have multiple seasons in comic book form that continue in canon the story that was on tv so in the case of charmed you know you have Paige, Piper, Phoebe and you have everything that happened in that series finale and it just picks up in in comic book the way it would have on TV and they even use the likeness of 
the actors and the actresses they use their likeness to draw these characters um to to create these stories and it's handed off to some you know some pretty big um comic book publishers um i think dark horse does a lot of them and uh, you know joss whedon was you know so this is for the the uh the buffy the vampire slayer and angel one joss whedon was still involved in writing season the the, the follow-up season the comic book seasons of his shows and uh, i believe that the people at warner brothers had you know hands in the you know hands on the project that was the you know the continuation of charmed in comic book format um so that's really cool in that in my opinion like you get a really good uh serious finale in the case of charm like just an amazing serious finale and then you get you know you get more too you get a continuation in this comic book form and uh so if you haven't if you haven't checked out the comic books and you're a really big uh charm fan like i am maybe look for those pick those up on amazon uh you know I, I i think i've read the first issue but i'm currently trying trying to finish the amazing spider-man run uh, like from literally from issue one 1963 i've read almost 200 issues it's been over like three years it takes a long time when you when you have other uh other hobbies and interests and you can't just dedicate uh, all your free time to reading you know one run of a comic book or one series of a book or a movie or a tv show so uh it's just about a balancing act and trying to find time to read all of these amazing uh stories and uh the charmed comic books are are on that list and i'll get around to it one day uh i hope <laughs> so uh, if anybody else has read them and uh you you think that they're uh worth maybe jumping up on my list uh you know drop me a comment and i'll uh, i'll take that recommendation and maybe maybe i bump it up uh, a few categories a few number rankings on my uh to read list as you know i I think everybody has those to read or to watch lists and there's so many articles online about how you'll never get around to watching all the things you put in your watch later list so if you really want to watch it you should just watch it now because as soon as you click watch later it means that you're never going to watch it uh so (laughs) i try i hope that that's not actually true but uh some of these online articles do have you know a grain of salt in them you can't take them all a hundred percent seriously but uh yeah that's one of the ones i hope isn't true because i would i would very much like to get around to reading those comic books and watching those movies and uh watching those series but uh yeah i will say it it is ever growing those lists never seem to get smaller they they somehow seem to only get bigger and you know we're living in uh i've i've heard it referred to uh as the golden age of television i've referred to it as the golden age of television uh and then you know we're marvel phase four and you know james gunn just took over control of dc and they're saying that you know they have a 10-year plan for storytelling now and so it's just like i mean and then there's not even getting into star wars or you know anything new that's not part of these worlds but like it's just it's daunting it's it's a world of entertainment that is like there's so much to enjoy uh it's almost like a level of overlord overlord overload i mean we're only talking about you know uh watchable media not even video games uh, i mean comic books are uh, you know you, you read them but we're you know we're not talking about video games or anything at all like that there's just there is so much entertainment and content to absorb and enjoy that uh, yeah it's a bit daunting but that's 
that's what this world is it's like i said it's that's what this timeline is right now it's so enjoyable there's so much um fun to be had and conversations to be had uh i'm having a blast doing this podcast and this is where i'm going to end the episode because i'm uh rambling a little bit here at the end we've talked about charmed season one uh what it meant to me the the amazingness of that series if you're a charmed fan and you want to talk more charmed drop me a comment you can find me on instagram on twitter i even have a discord account uh, it's all the nerd review or the nerd review under cad po- underscore podcast you can find me there you can find me on the nerdreview.ca amazon music spotify google google podcast uh getting a little tongue-tied here at the end and uh that's episode 12 i hope you've enjoyed this episode if you haven't watched charmed i strongly recommend it you can find the dvds you can find it streaming and uh it's a great series uh give it a go uh but that's it for now that's it for today's episode i hope you've enjoyed today's episode i hope you come back for more and i hope you're looking forward to next week's episode uh we're planning a lot of great content uh coming up in the weeks to come So that's all for today. This has been the nerd. This has been the nerd review of Charmed 1998. Have a great one. This is the nerd signing off.